A Desert, Temptation, and the Devil. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible, Glitter, and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. I enjoy being with people, but when I really want to think hard, when I want to contemplate, maybe decisions to make, David, that's when I want to be alone. Hmm. You know, that reminds me of the story that we're going to be talking about today, where we find Jesus all alone in a desert place, being tempted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And we we know the story is the temptation of Jesus. So Jesus is here alone in the desert, and he's fasted for 40 days and nights. And fasting is something, especially in those days, that was really common, where people would give up food for a period of time so that they could totally concentrate and give total focus to something. People still fast today, but in this time it was particularly common. Jesus is here because he wants to focus. He's got something to think about. And there's one thing that the devil does not like, and that's us focusing on God. That's right. Here in this story about Jesus, after his time of fasting, it says the the devil came to him to tempt him. And there are three temptations in this story. There's the temptation of turning stones to bread. There's a temptation of throwing himself down off the highest point of the temple. And then there is the temptation to bow down and give your allegiance and your devotion and your worship to the devil. You know, like the story of the baptism of Jesus, you know, that was a very important foundational story about Jesus, who he is and what he's to do. This story, too, is a very important story about Jesus and how he's going to go about his ministry and his life. In this story here, there's one figure besides Jesus that is very prominent that we need to have a little well, need to talk about it. that's the devil. I think that's true because you know sometimes we, especially in teaching children, we can present this what I call the unicorn rainbow, mm-hmm. everything's perfect kind of picture of being a Christian and following God. But the devil is real. He would never send someone out without, and there's an enemy lurking about. But we just don't talk about them. We try to help people be prepared. And in the same way, we need to prepare children for the devil. We need to know that there is evil in this world, and we need to take it seriously, and often we don't. I mean, often we caricature the devil as this little red person with horns and a forked tail and pitchfork, kind of make fun, but he's someone that we really need to be aware of and and take seriously because he's... He's totally against us. And that's right. And he's against children. Sadly, there is an enemy out to get children, even. There is this way of explaining to children something very hard, where we tell the truth, we tell what they can comprehend and what they can handle emotionally, but not going so far as to give them nightmares where they go away living in fear, because actually that is not how God portrays 
himself. He's stronger than the devil. The devil does have power, but not all power. That's right. When I explain to children, I try to make sure they understand we can't see the devil, but he is there. He only likes hurt and bad and pain. He's totally different from who God is. He's God's enemy and he's our enemy, but God will always win. And that's good to know. That's good to remember. Of course it is. I mean, for adults, that's good to remember. Sometimes it does seem like the devil is truly out to get us. And so leaning on God is so important. I remind children that the devil plays tricks. He tells lies. He gets happy when people are hurt. He likes people to cry. He likes people to be afraid. He is bad. When we look back here at this story. I I outlined this. I always try to go for as few points as I can. I've got three points. The first one, verses one and two, just fasting in the desert. And then I've got verses three through 10, just the temptations in there. You could divide that into three parts. And then finally, the last point, point three in verse 11. We're at the end of all this. It comes to a point of peace and comfort. Good outline of this story. Uh, just going back to the very beginning, verse 1 and verse 2, something that I just noticed recently about this. After you know Jesus is baptized in, in chapter 3, the Spirit comes down in the, in the form of a dove. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, The Spirit leads Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So this is God's plan for Jesus to go into the wilderness, that the Spirit actually guides Jesus after his baptism out into the wilderness where Jesus can contemplate, can think about, can think about, think deeply about what it means for him to be God's son who will be pleasing to his father. And and isn't that the way of things? I mean, it's one thing to think things in your head, but sometimes it's when you're tested. When you actually say things out loud, it's when you allow someone else to bounce back and say, what if, what if, that's when we realize something is true. And so that's happening in the extreme here. You know, Mary, when we read this story, we see so many parallels with the story of Israel in the wilderness. Israel comes out of Egypt. Israel crosses the Red Sea. Israel is led by God into the wilderness, from the pillar of fire and the cloud. And Israel is tested. In fact, in Deuteronomy, it says that God tests Israel in the wilderness. And Israel fails the test. And Israel's in the wilderness for 40 years. So there's so many parallels between the story of Jesus and his wilderness experience and the story of Israel in the wilderness. And I think what Matthew wants us to see here is that Unlike Israel, who failed in her test to be faithful to God, to be obedient to God, to serve God only, Jesus passed the test. In the bigger picture of the story of the Bible, God always intended to bring about his redemptive purposes for the world through his people Israel. Israel was to be this son, if you will, to be faithful to God, to be obedient to God, and through his people, he would bring his redemptive purposes to the world, but Israel failed miserably over and over again. 
in order for God to be faithful to his promises of bringing salvation to the world through Israel, he needed to have a people who would be faithful, and Jesus is that one. He is the one who represents Israel. He is that son who is faithful and who will be faithful. And so there's a bigger story that's tracking here. And so this story, the temptation of Jesus, is vitally important to the whole story of Jesus. So it's always interesting to me how there is more than one thing going on. You know, we have this literal, he's in the desert. I mean, he's literally hungry. Mm. I mean, he's human. He has a body. He's strung out. I mean, this has got to be a very vulnerable time for Jesus after this time of fasting. And so there's that literal thing going on, but so much more. I think that's an important word you used there, Mary. I mean, you said that he. this is a vulnerable time. And I do think that's right. I think Jesus was very vulnerable here because of this experience that he's going through. And yet, when he's tempted, he doesn't give in to the temptation, even in a vulnerable state. That's significant to me. So what's the first temptation? Well, the first temptation is turning rock into bread, into food. So that wouldn't be a temptation I face. So Jesus is facing some tests, some temptations that directly relate to who he is. The The devil knows how to go right to the core. When we're vulnerable, he knows to go right to my personal vulnerabilities and your personal vulnerabilities. And here Jesus has powers we do not have. He has a purpose that we do not have. And the devil is very much aware of that. And that's a good point. You know, this turning stone into bread, again, is the, it tracks off the story in, in the Old Testament where Israel complained. God had promised to provide for Israel, but Israel didn't believe that, so she, com- she complained. But God did feed Israel. He did provide bread. The manna. Manna, right. And Jesus... He knows that, and that's why he says in this first temptation, you know, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from God's mouth. It's God's word that is our true nourishment. That's right. And also our answer. Every time Jesus is tested in this passage, he answers from God's word. He answers with the word of God. There's one point I want to make in these temptations. Our translations will say, if you are the Son of God, and that's a good translation. But I think what's being questioned here is not Jesus' identity, who he is, if he's God's Son or not. I think the idea or the intent is, since you are the Son of God, then do these things. And so it's not his identity that's being question here, but what kind of son is he going to be? Is he going to be a faithful, obedient, trusting son or not? So in the next temptation, the next test, it's about Jesus, maybe his power, his popularity, that facet of who he is. The devil can even quote scripture. Because he does quote scripture, he quotes from Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12, to tempt Jesus like, you know, the Bible says, God will take care of you, you know, so throw yourself down off the very top of the temple where everybody can see. 
and God's promised to take care of you. But Jesus, he sees through that. And he says, the Bible says, don't test God. Don't turn things around. God will take care of us, but on God's terms, not our terms. Oh, and that's so common to hear people are testing God all the time. If you'll do this for me, I will do whatever. And as if we can just sit here and gamble with God or tempt Him to do what we want. That's right. We can't manipulate God. It doesn't work. Jesus trusted God, not only here in this temptation, but through His ministry, He trusted God to protect Him, and God did. There are several stories where Jesus' life was in danger, but God protected Him through those dangers as He goes about doing the will of God, being obedient to His call, all the way to the cross. You know, David, I read these, the first two temptations, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. And and the second one, if you were the son of God, jump off the pinnacle of the temple. But this last one to me gets a little bit sinister. If you will bow down and worship me, then I will give you all of these things. He's going straight to the jugular to me. It's like, okay, everything aside, this is all it takes. Bow down and worship me. You won't have to do this painful life as a human. You won't have to end up on a cross. You won't have to suffer. Just worship me and it's all over. You can have everything. Sounds so enticing, so easy just to do this one little thing. But, you know, he's the father of lies. So would he actually have made good on his word if Jesus would have done that. Did we he? don't know. Right. And would he actually have the power to do that right. anyway? <laughs> yes. And yeah, that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to have the allegiance of the nations. He was going to do it God's way, not Satan's way. And there was no question in Jesus's mind who to worship. I mean, it is called a test. So that is something that would have crossed his mind like a little bit, but He knows. He only worships God. I think it's really important when we talk to children to to help them understand there are things we can say or do when we are tempted. You know, that it's not something we just have to lay back and take. And one of those is Scripture. Knowing Scripture, uh, knowing what God says, is the best tool for fighting Satan. And I I think it's good to have some verses, like memory verses, things in our minds. Just, you know, Joshua 1, nine, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He said that to Joshua, but that promise is true to us, too. He is with us. That's a good verse. I like Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and the one who saves me. So why should I fear anyone? The Lord protects my life. So why should I be afraid? David felt that, and we can feel that today. God protects us. I think it's important to memorize or store up God's Word in our mind and in our heart. In Psalm 119, in verse 11, I believe, it says there that I have stored your Word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. So I think that's a very important verse. We need to know God's Word, not just memorize the words, but understand what it's saying. 
That's right. And temptation is one of those things that is very personal to each of us and unique. And like we said, Satan knows our personal vulnerabilities. A child's temptation is different than our temptations. Um, You know, children do have temptations, temptations to lie, temptations to disobey parents, stealing, disrespect. It may be a TV show that they come across. I mean, the Internet is just so easy. I mean, people can get in so easily. So a child needs to understand when they see something on their phone or uh, when they're playing a game. Those are temptations. Satan is using that tool to get in. These temptations, although they're different in this story, they're unique to Jesus, are so similar. They reveal the same tools and the same tricks and the same hatred that the devil has for us, for God, how he wants to harm us. So what are some things that we can do, Mary, to withstand temptation, to fight off temptation, to overcome temptation. I mean, we've talked about the Scripture because Jesus, in every temptation, He responds with the Word of God, a quote from the Scripture that Jesus stored in His heart. He knew it. He was aware of it. We shared these few Scriptures. What else can we, we do to resist the devil? I mean, I actually have a whole lesson just on this topic, and talking about the Christian armor in Ephesians chapter 6. And I talk more about temptation and fighting temptation, but that picture in Ephesians 6 is a good one to keep in mind. I think it's, it's as if we're a soldier in a battle, and God tells us to put on this armor for protection, weapons to fight Satan. We're not passive in this. God gives us everything we need to fight Satan. We personally are not stronger than Satan, but God is stronger. And so if we can just use God's weapons, we can defeat Satan. And we will if we use God's weapons, because he can be resisted. He does not have to overpower us. It's not like it's, uh, are we going to win this fight or not? We know that we can win if we use God's weapons, if we use God's word. The idea of being alert I'm just knowing Satan is there. Just knowing that the devil is there is a big part of it. Not being blasé and just, you know, kind of turning a blind eye to the tricks that the devil uses on us. Always be alert. Focus on God. In Ephesians, it talks about praying. Praying for ourselves, but praying for others that they can fight temptation. All those are part of it. I'm also thinking about with children, I want to talk about those temptations, but to explain it, I think I would, one thing I've done is just have a bowl of lollies, of sweets, nice treats, and set that right in the middle of the table. And before we start the class, I'm saying, now, nobody, nobody touch those. And so during the class, as we, as we talk about this lesson, you know what the children are thinking about? They're thinking about those lollies. Lollies. <laughs> the candy. And uh, at some point in the lesson, that's where I'm going to talk about, you know, that's what temptation is. That's how the, the devil puts things in front of us. Temptation is making things that we shouldn't have look very good. So that's one way I help them understand temptation. And they just 
talk about situations and help children be armed. What would you do if? You know, it's giving them skills and things like that. That's good. David, another, you know, you talked about the parallels. I want to talk about the parallel in Deuteronomy, how God prepared the people for attacks already when he said, teach your children these things and teach them in all occasions. Make sure they're ready so that their heart will be focused on God, that their mind, their thoughts would be focused on God, that they would be strong and they would use His strength. All of those things are helping us be prepared for Satan, knowing that God is our everything makes it less likely for us to be tempted by something else. That's good. I think that's important. We need to know who we are. We're his children. We belong to God. And just knowing who we are is another part of our strategy or tools that we have to resist Satan, because he tries to get us to doubt who we really are. And it doesn't matter if child, adult, a person that is a new Christian, a person that's been a Christian for their whole life, Satan does not give up. He just keeps at us, doesn't he? He does. He may, as we mature, we start at our age, David, that we won't say here on this podcast our age, but maybe it's pride. Maybe it's being too comfortable Temptation is more than just wanting to do bad things. Temptation is also not doing good things that we need to do. That's a good thought. I think it's the old saying, the sin of commission, the sin of omission. (laughs) It's when we know a right thing to do. We know we should be helping someone. We know we should be doing a thing. We know we should be saying a word or doing an action, and we just don't. It just seems too hard. It's like the devil saying to us, don't do it. Don't do it. You'll be more comfortable. They probably won't listen. It's all of those same things. I mean, he, the devil just adapts to wherever our vulnerabilities are. He's clever, but again, we can withstand If I was talking to an adult class, there's lots of questions that come to my mind about how we can deal with this text. I would want to suggest that the class read Deuteronomy chapter 6 through chapter 8 as a background to this story. There's so many parallels. We mentioned a few of them in this podcast, but I would ask the class, what parallels do you see between this story of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 and the story of Israel in the wilderness? And I think be some interesting discussions. Maybe ask, where else in the Bible is the number 40 used? Because that's used several times, and multiples of 40. And so that's significant. That has meaning, and that does help clarify the meaning of this particular story. And then another thing, I think, more practical, more personal, is how can you demonstrate your faithfulness to God when you're tempted to act in a faithless way? And, And we've already talked a little bit about Temptation is not getting us to do the wrong thing. It's also getting us to not do what's right. So we can talk about that and talk about what have we faced and how have we handled our temptations. So those are some questions I would ask in a class with adults. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. For David and I, this has been challenging. We've had a lot of 
good discussion before we've come and sat down before the microphone, but both of us know this is such a serious subject and one that's sometimes not discussed. We'd rather not talk about the devil, but it's very important that we know our enemy. I love how this event in the Bible ends in this awful time of Jesus and the devil. Look how it ends. The devil leaves. And who comes? The angels come and they minister to Jesus. We discussed that, didn't we? Like, what does that mean? Did they comfort him? Did they feed him? I think they probably fed him. They could have. He was human. This was an emotionally draining experience. They probably, I'm thinking, gave him hugs and, <laughs> and told him, you've done it. You've done it. And all of those things are important because it's also the victories when we are victorious over Satan, when God is victorious over Satan, we need to celebrate that too. And that's important. As you go on to teach children, I hope that you can take this very serious subject, this very serious time in the life of Jesus when he actually faced Satan. I hope you can take that and present that thought to children in a way that they can comprehend, in a way that doesn't overwhelm them emotionally, but builds them up, reminds them of the strength of God, that God is stronger than any enemy. And may God bless you as you continue to speak into the lives of children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's Word with children.